0: Well, hello, Metalhead. What's up, my man? Hey, man. How's it going? Uh, fresh off a fantastic uh, two-night stand with Metallica. Friday, Sunday, uh, big shows. Lots of great tunes. Fantastic setlists Different set list In case anyone wondering, why would you go see the same band two nights in a row? It's totally different concert. Different opening bands. Uh, first night was uh, Pantera. Uh, was the was the you know Mammoth Wolf Van Halen opened up, and then uh, Pantera. Uh, with guys I have a lot of connections to through fantasy football, interestingly enough, uh, uh, the band Pantera itself, uh, Zach Wilde and Charlie Bonane filling in for the late departed uh, brothers, Dimebag Daryl and Vinnie Paul Abbott. Um, Vinnie Paul Abbott was in the Allison Chains leagues for a number of years. The, the cha- the, won the title, has been on my radio show multiple times before his passing a couple of years ago. The trophy in that league is named after him. Well, Scott Ian from Anthrax is also in that band is is in that league and his drummer is charlie Bonante is sitting in for his old you know friend passed away friend he's also been on the program meanwhile zach wild who is great friends with uh, with dime back daryl the guitar player who passed away is filling in for him he had a show on sirius xm fantasy early in the days and has been a guest on my show multiple times so lots of connections there and then uh, on to metallica great first night good mix of tunes old and new and the second night, it was a band called Ice Nine Kills, which is kind of like a, like a horror movie slash band, I guess. A Kurt Vonnegut, a Kurt Vonnegut reference too. <clears throat> yeah, very interesting. Uh, very interesting uh, act. I don't know that it translated to the arena as well as it does to the smaller theaters, uh, but followed up by a Five Finger Death Punch. Not a huge fan, but it was all right. And then more Metallica. It was fantastic. So I have now spent twelve hours doing something that was non-football related. Uh, over the weekend and and i'm not sure that was my best best choice at work-wise but it was a fantastic choice life-wise well you probably won't
1: get to do it again until at least april so we know this that. this is uh, true so so we know that you got got your last uh last breath in before you submerge. Uh, I, I just i just want to say uh
0: came off the expo the week before that probably adds to all the stuff uh great hearing everyone who commented on this podcast uh had a, had a lady walk up to me. It was great. <laughs> great walk up and just like, Calvin Austin, feel her fucking. Yep. <laughs> like, that, that, was how, that was how we started the conversation. It was great. Had a number of people uh, stop and mentioned uh, this pod. So thanks to everyone for listening and supporting.
1: We certainly appreciate that. So, you know, speaking of big shows, Taishan Spirit had a little bit of a big show for a preseason game. He, does he have a legitimate fantasy value this year in redraft? You feeling that idea for a guy without a knee? He runs like twenty miles an hour. I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I. Well, if we're if
0: he does, what about Julius Chestnut, who came in and totally dominated? Uh, look, I, I think I think he does. I think some late, super late round. If you're deep enough, if you're, you know, the Derrick Henry investor. I think that's not a totally unwise thing. Although I don't know that it, you know Spears would be expected to take that. You know, he's not a plug and play option. I don't think, but he'd have an. A, I think a role and he looked pretty damn good. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not like jumping in as like expecting him to be a weekly contributor kind of situation, but, uh, but not an unreasonable handcuff.
1: Yeah. I think he's a, re- I think he's definitely reasonable to pair as a redundancy option. And I do think that, uh, I do think that if Henry gets hurt, he will be the lead back. They will probably use chestnut. Some, um, I think they were hoping a little bit with the, I'm trying to remember the back that they brought in. Um, who was the veteran? But I I can't recall the name. Uh, oh, Jock Patrick. I I think oh. they we're hoping Jock Patrick could be a little. Something. I think a lot of people have hoped that. <laughs> yeah, but but I think Chestnut's probably going to wind up, you know, maintaining, you know, yeah. retaining that Second,
0: job. He's he stuck around a couple of years now, so I think that's true.
1: Yeah. So all right, Baker Mayfield. Big. How about this? Feel it or fuck it. Baker Mayfield doesn't beat out Kyle Trask for the starting job.
0: I want to say fuck it because I think they're going with Mayfield. I think everything we're hearing right now is lip service. But, I mean, you know, there's something to be said for not throwing interceptions in practice, which apparently Baker Mayfield does more than Kyle Trask. Um, I'm saying they're going with Baker Mayfield just for the, you know, just for the veteran presence. But, like, if things aren't going well early on, it's going to be a short leash.
1: Yeah, I would say this. I'd say I'm only feeling it if the Buccaneers go, fuck it, we're tanking. You know, and they're almost pseudo tanking having Baker Mayfield, whether they know it or not. Um, so, well,
0: aren't are they pseudo tanking with Kyle Trask? I mean, what what is Kyle Trask? No,
1: they're totally tanking if they're okay. They're all doing right, I see what you're saying. right. That, that's like we're getting a quarterback next year, kind of right. like the all Colts right. going with Sam Ellinger, right? Right, right. Yeah, yeah, that's where I'm at. Baker's at least the we're, we're going to compete this year and <clears> until <throat> they go, you know, two and six. Um, all right. Feeling we're gonna do a little bit of a draft game here and at least profile uh, somewhere around eight to nine rounds worth of stuff here. So just some thoughts that I'm looking at ADP from a variety of ADP sources, and you know who are you feeling at the top of the top of round one, Bob? If it's between Justin Jefferson, Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, you got to choose one. Who are you feeling? Why? Uh.
0: Honestly, this is really tough because I... So we've got to get out of best ball mindset and into redraft mindset. And so I'm going to try and do that. I have shares of all those guys at first pick overall over the course of a 100-plus uh, best ball drafts. If I'm sitting here going into a redraft league, my reflexive answer is Christian McCaffrey. The right answer is Justin Jefferson.
1: Yeah, I think the safest play is absolutely Jefferson. Um, but I'm also on the McCaffrey kick myself because... I'm looking at the player who has the best chance to put up record production at a position where the the, the gap between him and the rest of the, the right po- position Leverage. was is, is strong. And McCaffrey's that guy. And I think that when I look at players who've had um record or like top twenty, top thirty yards from scrimmage production all time, McCaffrey did it like four or five years ago. Um and usually there's a lot of players on that list who've done it twice and usually it's either with a second team or later on in their career. Oh, and so man. I'm I'm thinking McCaffrey could be that guy to 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 continue so, that trend.
0: So the 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 hair splitter here is and like it was great last year before McCaffrey came to San Francisco the Niners ranked 19th in the NFL in points scored per game, they were 20.3. They were 19th in yards per game at 340. After his arrival, they ranked what uh, 29.8, so second in points fourth with 379 yards per game uh, over the final six weeks of the season. McCaffrey had 101 carries, 505 yards, uh, what, four touchdowns, caught 27 passes, 262 yards and three touchdowns. Some of that success was probably Brock Purdy related. I don't want to be dismissive of him, but a lot of it was McCaffrey related. So I'm all in on that. And then I listened to our buddy Dwayne McFarlane, who had some pretty stark numbers about the point differentials for McCaffrey with Elijah Mitchell on the field. And that total Per game, the points per game drops for, goes from above from over twenty down to below seventeen, and so that puts him in in human territory uh so that's that's why I think Jefferson's probably a safer play, but anyone who played J- Jefferson late last season says he 's not that safe every damn week
1: yeah, and I would argue that that McCaffrey didn't know the offense as well as the way that he's going to know now um but I would say this: i wouldn't even be mad at anybody if they're if they're thinking, I like Jamar Chase. Right. And, you know, so, or Eckler, but, I th- you know, I th- all, th- they're all I th- great, but McCaffrey's this, the one with the upside that I'm looking this, at.
0: The switch for J- Jamar Chase we saw last year was that Zach Taylor realized, you know, after he came back from the injury, instead of using him, you know, primarily on deep passes, they used him in a more varied, you know, way with crossers and, and a little more over the middle stuff and, and he excelled at that and he has great, great yeah.
1: big playability after the catch. So, uh, still third of that group for me. Yeah, Jamar Chase is, can do everything. I think he's probably the most versatile receiver in the league. Um, Mid-round one. If you, none of those guys are available to you and you're looking at Cooper Cup, you're looking at Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey, who are you
0: feeling? I'm totally feeling Cooper Cup. Look no further than, uh, well, I guess there, there are other older guys in there, but Cooper Cup for the, you know, the reason we stated that weekly average, uh, fantasy scoring. I mean, when he's been on the field and healthy the last two years, he's dominated in that regard. And it's been consistent production. I feel like Matthew Stafford being healthy. I feel that, Matthew. Stay healthy, young man. Uh, uh, Unless, uh, look, I'll take my Stetson Bennett chances for sure.
1: No, Uh, yeah, no disagreements there from me either. I mean, I I would probably be between Cup and Hill, even though Kelsey is a safe play, um, even in PPR. But I just look at... um, the, the the reason maybe not Hill is some of the off-field stuff, and you wonder about that, or is it going to be a game or two? Our defense is going to catch up to what Tua Tungavailoa is doing to the standpoint that there were a couple teams last year that that really protected the, the middle of the field to force Tungavailoa to try and throw it in the inter, intermediate and vertical ranges to the sideline, and he didn't have the arm velocity to really... Nail those throws, and he was trying to force balls into Hill, very unsuccessfully on a couple of those games. Can a lot of teams copy that? You know, that's up for question, but I think more more than what we realize. Um, So it's the argument.
0: The argument for Kelsey, though, and to say fuck it, Cup and Hill is, you know, what we talked about with McCaffrey that likely leverage over the field. You're going to get that in spades. I would say though, like just unless it's a tight end premium league, and we're not discussing that here um you know what's the order i would draft these guys in just in a vacuum like if they all played the same position look travis kelsey is a top 10 wide receiver i think last year's numbers would put him at about seven or so so there's something to be said there but uh if i'm going for the consistent weekly production for me that's that's where that's where i'm feeling cup
1: yeah i'm with you and and to me kelsey's a guy that as great as he is and i and in dynasty i've had him as a cornerstone for as many years as he's been in the league um there's still a couple of guys on this board much later that I'm yes. so excited about yes. that Kelsey is just, I'm like, I'll take my chances at the tight end. Position. I agree with that. So moving on around we'll to you, you're staring at Patrick Mahomes. You got Devontae Adams, <laughs> Derek Henry, all guys that could be leading their respective positions. Even Henry who, you know, offensive line sucks. Everybody's looking at, oh, their offensive line's bad dude their offensive line was bad last year and nobody and you know he was still what rb4 so it's like you get the news late now you got scared while you were in the middle of the you know you were in the middle of the shark infested waters with them anyway and he was swimming right past them like they were nothing so i don't know mahomes adams henry i feel
0: him in that reverse order i'm riding the henry horse until it keels over dead uh, the volumes there especially if i took one of those if if i ended up you know <laughs> let's say going jefferson early as well i mean that adds to that five. if i'm coming around the next round um like if i drafted kelsey i would consider mahomes i think you see that a lot um, and adams i think we're being totally dismissive i maybe his 80 people rides after speed was like oh Jimmy Garoffo is not as horrible as we pretended he was um it doesn't really matter. Devonte Adams wins every single route. I don't care what the quarterback can throw; they will have him run the routes, and he will win those routes, right? I mean, yeah. you're not gonna you're not gonna slow Devonte Adams down. So I think it's perfectly defensible to get take him. I'm taking that volume play at running back, and and I don't see signs of decline in Henry at this point. Still broke off the long runs. That's one of the things he's really good at, and has been good at uniquely so given his size. I'm 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 all in on that.
1: Yeah, I'm. You know, it's funny. I think I'll I'll go ahead just for the exercise because I'm taking Henry a lot in in that range. I for all those reasons, but uh and with Adams, listen, he's he, he's playing with a quarterback who's played in that offense, who spent his developmental years in New England in Josh McDaniels' offense. So right. it's not like they're going to have trouble getting on the same page right. as much as somebody else would. And he he did help Debo Samuel become a a valuable fantasy wide receiver and Debo Samuel is a route runner as a fraction of what Devontae Adams is so so totally defensible pick but if I'm going again if I'm going upside and I'm thinking who's got the possibility to have a record year and I look at the Kansas City Chiefs offense and I think that the wide receivers collectively are the best group of wide receivers that Patrick Mahomes has ever had um you know, from Justin, from Justin Ross and Richie James as backups, to what you've got with Sky Moore and maybe Kadarius Tony, um, so I think that even if Tony kind of flakes out or Moore just turns out to be just so-so, and the, the camp sounds great, but he still need a, needs another year. Richie James can get it done, and I think Justin Ross. When Patrick Mahomes keeps saying this guy's different than anything that we have, what that means to me is that he has enough speed like Marquez Valdez and Scantling, but he can actually catch the football on a consistent basis. He he runs routes better than Scantling and can give you a little of the slot receiver look. He's kind of a Hakeem Nix, a young Hakeem Nix in that regard, where you can match up one-on-one and, and he can dominate. So I... I could see, I mean, Mahomes last year, just with those two big pieces of the pie who were the only fantasy options in the passing game and Juju Smith-Schuster and Travis Kelsey, he was like, what, I think 50 yards shy of what you were seeing in terms of Breeze-Manning territory of 5,500 yards. I I think this is the year that maybe the Chiefs spread the ball around a little bit more. We have three fantasy um, values as starters in the passing game, not just two. Yeah. Um, all right, so round three. Ramadre Stevenson, Devonta Smith, Mark Andrews, or Chris Olave.
0: Um, <clears throat> All of them find I mean, obvious concerns with Stevenson. Fuck him. Um, not going there. <laughs> like, I, it's really interesting because I've heard people make really strong arguments both ways even since the arrival of Ezekiel Elliott that Stevenson is, is still the guy and like you know including last year Damian Harris was there and and well missed five games but for the most part Stevenson was still very good I can remember reading in my rookie scouting portfolio the year Stevenson came out about his pass catching prowess and his nimble feet and whatnot so all that is good and he's demonstrated that Andrews super solid I think this offense is going to be fantastic Olave might be the right answer. Devontae is the right answer for me. I'm totally feeling him. Uh, I think, you know, they call, you know, A.J. Brown clearly viewed as the the one there. I think it's a more of a 1A, 1B situation. Um, and I'm not really entirely sure when all is said and done who the A and B are going to be. Sorry, A.J. Brown people. Um, I'm going Devontae Smith here, feeling it.
1: I can see that. And Devontae Smith's got the sizzle. Um alave certainly is the safest pick for me like to me he's the safest pick um i'm gonna go stevenson here and and only because as much as i still like ezekiel elliott as a player in terms of what he can do all around the doing the patriots on average jason wood at football guys had a tremendous spotlight there on the on basically stevenson in the patriots run game and over a 22-year period regardless of who the fucking coordinator was um they ran the ball and averaged 400 i think it was 467 carries per season over a 22 year period they're going to run the ball whether they're good or bad whoever their quarterback is they're pounding the rock and you know stevenson's not getting 300 of those 400 carries more likely right, never it's was. probably 2 250 at best and it's probably going to be 200 200 with somebody with two to three other players splitting the final you know the final 200 out of that um but but then in the passing game it is probably going to be Stevenson I still don't think Stevenson at worst Stevenson I think is going to be at 70 t- 70 targets he could be at 90 targets uh, I mean that's and and I think they value that and certainly yes Elliott's t- red zone prowess his pa- um, pass um past protection skills um, his ability to run with closeout carries and protect the ball well, that may put a limit on what Stevenson ceiling can be, especially in the um, you know goal line red zone. But I still think you're looking at eight to ten touchdowns for Ramondre Stevenson. So if I'm looking for a running back two, or a, or I'm thinking you know I want one running back, I'm going. They, what do they call it? Hero RB, even though they Hero like to RB. do it. Even though they like, or the or the first round exception I used to do, or the one the except you know the one round ex- variation in the upside down drafting, whatever, or do the opposite as Paul charchin used to say, even before me. um You know, that could be the guy that I wouldn't mind taking a chance on as Stevenson in round three, because everybody seems to be down. He might even get him in round four at this rate. Quick, quick,
0: thought on Olave, and you know, I, I, th- I think I agree with you. Maybe he's the safest play. I talked to a couple beat writers, Catherine Carroll from ESPN, being one of them recently, who, who kind of suggested that maybe we need to see a little bit how it plays out with Derek Carr. Like, is it is it is it that locked in? You know, like every week high volume role. Uh, she wasn't sure. I don't know who else claims that. He said, thinking about Michael Thomas in the back of his mind, hoping that all my late round shares come through on that, but. But honestly, I, I mean, I think Olave probably is is like a super safe play. But I don't know that Devonte is not safe as well. Yeah, I would say
1: both of them are very safe. You know, I just I just know that Olave can can do one thing better than than Devonte can. <laughs> so when I look at all around on yeah. film, I like Olave a little more. Um, all right, Amari. Speaking of safe, Amari Cooper, then Calvin Ridley mm. or Josh Allen, round four. Boy, uh, so
0: I've been really big on on a Cooper he- he going a, all off season long, right? In all my drafts, I've been diving in. I feel like we like maybe overlooked him last year. Certainly, we did because he, you know, you look at his finish last year. Uh, he was a, he was a wide receiver one without an ideal quarterback situation. Um, <clears throat> so I'm tempted to go there. I'm also not like. I'm not against Josh Allen here. There's an interesting stat I ran across uh, talking to Mark Gaughan from the Buffalo News uh, over the weekend. Uh, Josh Allen's one of just four players, the only quarterback with at least 400 rushing yards and six rushing TDs in each of the past five seasons. He joins a crew that includes Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, and Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, that's that's pretty interesting. That's pretty consistent uh, additional production uh, on top of the great passing numbers he puts up. Um, <clears throat> I'm, so I think Cooper would have been my answer. Uh, and I don't like to overplay reports out of training camps and, you know, moment by moment things, but pretty consistently re- the reporting has been Deshaun Watson isn't looking great. I think he'll be fine, but I think I think it's enough to move Josh Allen up ahead. I, and I think if we're going in the fourth round, that's value on Josh Allen. I usually see him going in the third.
1: Yeah, my stubborn side would say I'm sticking with Cooper. Um, the little voice in my head that you know is probably saying Allen's the safe play, but I'd rather, but I probably already went Mahomes, so right. so I'm or <laughs> I'm waiting, so I'm I'm probably gonna go Ridley here, even though that that goes against my sensibilities a, a little bit, but but Ridley might be the play there. All three, not too bad. I I wish I could. Yeah, i'm not gonna there's go no there. clear-cut fucking in any of these Matt. yeah there really are and that's what makes us fun because right. we gotta you know we gotta take a stand here somewhere so it's i'm going i'm gonna stick with cooper because i'm gonna i'm going down with the ship so it's hair splitting and you'll be surprised
0: you know. to learn i don't get a lot of practice at splitting any hair
1: <laughs> i get a little bit of practice here and there Matt, you can imagine that um you know about as much practice as yo-yo ma probably does have on the cello uh, <laughs> so alec pierce is no damian pierce alec pierce maybe that's what my hope is by the next year he'll be in round five spot alec pierce after a year with anthony richardson but damian pierce then we have that sanders kid in carolina that you like and then jk dobbins you know if you're going running back two at this stage or starting your your you know your zero RB upside down, do the opposite, who's who are you going with?
0: I'm starting to feel dobbins a little bit more like I think of, of these guys, he's the one who has the upside to finishes his, as uh, his inside the running back one ranks uh, pretty handily. I mean maybe they all do. um increasingly concerned, you know, again, Like, you don't want to overstate the case when you see things over, you know, like we're using the whole off-season long massive information, the data continuum, you know. Uh, But the latest data, you know, tells you the offensive line is not playing well for Carolina. That's got to be a concern, right? Every year, after every season, I can't, you know, can't remember last season I I didn't kick myself in the ass and say, oh, man, offensive lines matter, right? So, um, like, I think – I think Sanders will be fine. Volume-wise, I wonder if this offense isn't going to struggle enough early on. Damian Pierce, I think maybe I have a little bit of a blind spot for. Um, it's not necessarily a, a Devin Singletary fear. It's just you know lousy offense. That said, often lousy offenses correlate to guy running backs you know, getting a lot of well, – oh, look at last year, right? It was not a good offense last year. And Damian Pierce was just fine. So I uh, might have a blind spot. But I do think that – and look, he's an explosive runner as well. But I think J.K. Dobbins, maybe I'm just hoping – overly hopeful that we'll get the full uh, Dobbins experience. And if we get that, he's going to be a phenomenal back, super explosive play. And the fact that he is back in 11 on 11, you know, has resumed those drills, uh, lends some confidence in both the health and the uh, financial situations that he's been waiting through.
1: Yeah. As I mentioned to a, to a certain Harris last week, um, I think that there's a, I think my tinfoil hat theory is that they knew that JK Dobbins wasn't going to get the contract. He knew he wasn't going to get yeah. the contract, but they they want to give him the star treatment without the media barraging um, Harbaugh with why are you giving star treatment to a guy who hasn't really um, earned it? Earned it supposedly. But they saw they saw the film and they know what they got in him, and he's the answer. Though I do believe Damian Pierce could have 60 receptions this year and be a, a huge component of the passing game if they let him. Um, but yeah, if we're looking for safest, it's Dobbins. But um Pierce, I think, has a little bit higher floor than Sanders. All right. So we're still in round five, though. And say we're looking at the receiver end of the spectrum. You got scary Terry McLaurin, the the clap catch extraordinaire. You've got you know who he's the he's the bumblebee of wide receivers, like just uh, by science and physics, the laws of physics he just defies it in terms of being able to catch a ball just like a bumblebee defies physics of flight shouldn't be able to do it. Um, DJ Moore running back in a with receiver skills um, you know Christian Watson coming on strong. you know lots of love for Jordan love it seems to be. and then you got Drake London who is like every fantasy every fantasy analyst I know, who semi watches film seems to love this guy. Um, you know, I love I, I like Drake Lynn. I think he was my number two receiver last year. But, you know, it's fascinating how much love there is for a guy who's kind of produced. You, you know, so where are we at with this quartet?
0: Okay. So I mean, for me, it's I totally feel him McLaurin. I mean, he has been consistently productive over the course of, of his time in Washington. Regardless of quarterback, I'm going to hand him his quarterback-proof card right now. Officially joining the ranks of normally Texans wide receivers are the guys who drive this. But I guess we could say Allen Robinson had that at one time with Jacksonville as well. But he's just been super productive. You could like, I guess you could make the same argument for DJ Moore, and uh, maybe you know you're hoping in both cases are there questions about the quarterback? Probably yes. I mean, we still have to see. Uh, see Justin Fields come on as a passer. I think we all expect that to happen. Justin Watson is, you know, maybe the the high-end play here for me. Uh, you know, like if I'm Christian. swinging... Christian. Christian Watson. Yeah, I'm sorry. If That's I'm sorry. swinging for the upside, he's the upside play. If I'm swinging for the fence with this, in this round, uh, if I just need a guy that I think is going to have a really solid season, it's going to be Terry McLaurin. London, I, I have concerns about just the overall offensive volume for Atlanta. And, uh, I mean, they're amassing some great... Playmakers. I would like to see Arthur Smith uh, use that ginormous brain of his to find ways to get them all involved. And Desmond Ritter's a question mark for me as well. Um, it's McLaurin for me. Watson, if I'm swinging for the fence.
1: Yeah, and I think that that's a good way to split it out because if you've already taken, if you've already taken some risks in the draft up, you know, in the first five rounds, say you've taken one or two risks, I would say McLaurin is the guy you go with. If you if you still want to take a little bit more of a risk, I think. Moore is the guy that has more upside than McLaurin with a slightly lower floor but not too much lower and you're right like Watson is the highest upside guy with a low and it goes just I think it go the order of you know Moore and Watson have the most upside London I think London has maybe more upside than McLaurin but it has a lower floor than McLaurin so yeah I'm with you I, I would say if I'm playing a little more moderate to conservative, it's more. If I'm playing a little more risk-oriented, it's Watson. So round six, we've got ourselves some Christian Kirk, Brandon Ayuk, and Tyler Lockett. Which one of these guys, I'm just curious to you, which one of these guys do you look at and go, how the hell did they drop to round six? Uh, which, pretty much all of them, um, yeah.
0: but none more so than Lockett for me. I mean, yeah. you know, feeling that, I mean, five seasons, at least eight touchdowns. Uh, two of those seasons had 10 touchdowns. Um, I feel like everyone views him as a huge boom bust play, and he is to some degree that. But, but also he's just he booms more than he busts. It seems. Um, I, I like the way this offense is going. I'm counting on Geno Smith to continue getting the job done. I do think you know the buzz about Iyouth. You know, I mean, remember when they drafted him? They had high. They had pretty high expectations for him, and uh, and I think he's starting to manifest uh, those expectations. And. I'm fine with Kirk here as well, but but definitely that that's my order. It's Lockett by far for me. I mean, I when I see Lockett sitting there in the sixth round, smash right. Yeah. I hope maybe there's another player there similar that I have to give it some thought. And same with Kirk. I mean, I'm getting a little bit of a blind spot for him because I'm so Ridley focused. But there's going to be ample ample meat on the fantasy yeah. bone for Kirk as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I have Kirk even with Ridley in pretty much yardage and touchdowns. I just have Kirk with a little bit more in receptions. Um, that than Ridley and only for this year but I I took in the sixth round of a a keep three league um this the um this weekend and Lockett yeah he's my top guy I, I I I think people are just scared of Geno Smith um suddenly turning into a pumpkin I think that's kind of where they're at and that's why they have fears with him and or or they're so age focused that they they see the number and freak out rather than looking at right. the tape. All right, so he's not done yet. He no said a guy not. who also feels like he's not done yet. No, you're you are definitely. I got a minute. You are definitely the locket, you know, of the fantasy space. I'll put it that way. So you actually, I I would say you're more the. I, I I'm thinking you might be more the Aaron Rodgers of the fantasy space. So there we Where's go. My eye, <laughs> here. Yeah, yeah, there we oh, go. The Iowa there we go. Um. All right, so Bijan, who who is in this group, which running back do you think is the best value relative to their round in ADP? Bijan in round one, Jameer Gibbs in round three, Zach Charbonnet in round nine, or the the other rookie, Tajay Spears in round 14? This is
0: clearly a trick question because there is only one answer. I am the hammer, Jameer Gibbs is my nail. I am pounding him in round three. Look, you know, I I feel like I'm so invested in this that I'm almost bound to be wrong, but and you know further acknowledge I like fourth round Jameer Gibbs way better than I like third round Jameer Gibbs. I mean I thought he was a I thought he was a huge steal in the fourth round. Um, <clears throat> I get that he's going to split. I think we did the maths over at footballdiehards.com. dot com. And and granted it was an unusual year of running back production in Detroit. I don't know if anyone's getting you know they had a lot of touchdowns. Uh, Jamal Williams with his seventeen. So. Um, but you give like fifty five percent of that running back production uh to uh Jameer Gibbs that they got last year, and he's i think running back eight running back seven something like that uh, i'll take that in round three also I thought something interesting again to bring up our smart friend Dwayne McFarland he threw out a number a week or so ago on Twitter, uh reminding everyone Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara only got i think they got about thirty percent of the carries for their offenses as rookies and still finishes running backs three and nine in fantasy respectively so uh-huh. So I'm all in on Gibbs. And Bijan. I think there's fair concerns, again, about the volume, this offense, just the overall volume, right? I yeah. mean, is Atlanta going to be running a ton of plays? Uh, uh, and, and and is are they going to have the passing volume? I talked to Billy Musial, a player profiler, and that was his argument. Not He wasn't arguing against Bijan John Robinson, but if you're splitting a hair, is he going to really – I mean, is 60 catches, like, realistic for him? I'm not sure it is
1: in this offense. 30 might be realistic for him. Right. Yeah, and that's I get that. I'm mean, like, talent-wise, you're a dynasty sure. League, top five player to pick right Easy. now. Easy, redraft. No, I am totally with you on that. I don't think he's a value at round one. He's at the top of his he's at his ceiling. You're drafting right. him at the top of his value, and I think that's not wise. Well, Gibbs, well, you are everybody in round yeah.
0: one, though. By the way, so I mean, yeah, that's, that's true. That's the round one that's game. That's true.
1: That's true. But but I think that the the ceilings the floor is too low. Gibbs is. Gibbs in round four, I would take absolutely. Um, Just especially looking at, you know, Cooper, Ridley, or Allen, yep. I'd go, nah, I go no. I could probably afford to go with Gibbs and take the shot there. Um, you know, round nine with Charbonnet, no. There's there's somebody else I got my eye on, but I like Charbonnet as a player, and I can see how that's cool. I would probably be going Gibbs, and of course I'd be going with Spears in round 14. He I could prove that. to be the best value if, if injuries occur, but that's, right. that's a big if. All right, so now we're talking best value with tight ends. We got, we got um, Waller at round 6, Ingram Evan Ingram in round 8, Pat Friermuth in round 9, mm-hmm. and Dalton Kincaid in round 11. I mean, first it's Gibbs, now it's Waller. You might as well just blow
0: in my ear if you're trying to woo me here about Matt Wallman. I mean, this is... Uh, I'm totally feeling Darren Waller, right? I mean, not just, you know, the past history of his high-end production. We all know he has to avoid injury, and we all know that he has not the last couple of years. But when healthy in Las Vegas, I mean, we... we I can remember, what, 2020, 145 target season? Um, <clears throat> and And not to overstate, you know, the you know what we saw in the in the exhibition game over the weekend where you know clearly he's daniel jones has an eye on him uh, But just talking to the local beat writers i mean like these guys can sometimes glom onto players and you know they they play their favorites and stuff but just the overall glowing talk the latest i talked to over late last week was ryan dunleavy at the new york post who said he's unguardable he's unstoppable in practice that nobody, no, you know, nobody can keep up with him, and also Brian Dable's history of making use of these kind of playmakers and putting them in advantageous situations to create mismatches, et cetera. To me, it's all it's all Waller all day. All these guys are fine, uh, but I don't even see those other names on the list. As soon as I see the list, Waller is the only name I see.
1: Well, Bob, you're cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs for Waller. I'm I'm definitely cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs for Dalton Kincaid. I know. In round 11. I'd take, honestly, I'd take him in round 10 and follow up with Chigo Conquo in round 11 or round 12. And those would be my two tight ends, and I'll be happy. Because in round 6, if I can get Lockett, I'll take Lockett over Waller. I'd probably take Iuke over Waller. Um, I'd probably take Waller over Kincaid. Um, but um, that's just me. Ingram and Fryer Ingram's not bad, but round eight, there's probably other players I'm a little more interested in. Same with Friar-Muth. I could see them splitting with, you know, with Washington. Yeah. Um, to the point that it becomes a little bit of a disappointment. But Kincaid to me has top three upside in round ten, round eleven, um, and he's gonna be used more like a wide receiver, and he might give you Waller like value, um, even if he's less experienced. I think he's actually better coming out than what Waller is. um, Waller has been. Um, So we shall see. Sacrilege. Yes, yes. But you know what? That's all right. That's why I'm here um, to be sacrilegious about this stuff. So Mahomes, Allen, Hurts in round two. That's would you go with that grouping? One of those guys, or would you go Burrow and Lamar Jackson in round three as one of those options? Or would you be targeting Herbert Fields in round four or Deshaun, Dak, and Tua in round nine? Or are you going later rounds and doing Daniel Jones, Geno Rogers round 10? If you had to say, this is my quarterback one, you know, are you going in round two with the group, round three with the group, round four, round nine, or round 10? Or later? I, I would. I-
0: I would do all these fucking things, Matt Waldman, and I have done all these things. If I'm in a single draft, and uh, and the decision comes down, I think the thing I've done the most of would probably be the uh, Deshaun, Dak, Tua round nine range, uh, and probably back them up with one of the Jones, Geno, Rogers in round ten. Yeah. Uh, to be honest with you, I probably come. I do that a lot. I come back and pair if I wait to the towards the double digit rounds to do that. Look, man, you can't. Not make an argument for the Mahomes, Allen, Hurts tier, right? Yeah. You can make a really strong argument for the Burrow, Jackson tier. I can make an equally strong argument. So here's how I, I've, I've been feeling this since last year. If you're in a draft and you get to a point where you don't love the skill position players, like there isn't someone there that just makes you say, "Boom, I gotta smash that button." There's a quarterback there you can love, right? At pretty much every range, and I think just the the premise of this uh, this feel it or bucket it item here. Uh, is indicative of that, right? Just like there's going to be a flavor of the day for you waiting at the point that you feel like quarterback is going to be a value. So for me, I'd probably do them in the, you know, just to answer the question, It's the, it's the it's been a lot of Deshaun and Tua, to be honest with you. In round nine, seems like the right price, followed up with a jones Gino, especially if it's Tua, where I feel like I'm at a little bit of a risk.
1: Yeah, in a home league or in a league with guys I know that aren't in the industry, I'm probably going the same route. In an industry- in an industry draft um you know I am probably flipping the bird and saying fuck you to all the analysts who are who are waiting around so that they in the chat room they can talk about how how smart their strategy was and you know we all do it and and I can uh and I would end up going with either round two or round threes guys with Mahomes, Allen Hurts, <clears> or Burr, Burrow, Jackson, because none of, because they'll all be telling me about how dumb I was to take Kincaid in round ten or eleven. Um, oh, it was pretty so stupid. Man. It was, but you know, I've I've been stupid for twenty years at this, so I would say I'm still around, so I'm, I'm I must be lucky. So I look at it that way. Um, but that that might be the route that I would go. So best risk reward out of these. Three people that have, you know, fantasy GMs, you know, kind of pulling their hair out if they're even thinking about them at all. Michael Thomas in round eight, Kadarius Tony in round nine, or Odell Beckham in round 10. Who has it, the best risk reward? I,
0: I, I want to say that, like, I mean, it's Kadarius Tony. I mean, if, if you see him on the field, when he's on the field, uh, he is unlike many players, right? He is a unique talent with unique physical capabilities that set him apart from pretty much everybody. Uh, uh-huh. I think Michael Thomas is probably the one I have the more more shares of. Me too. Because I feel like I've been getting him a little bit later. Um, <clears throat> I don't expect 2019 Michael Thomas any more than I expect, you know, 2013 Josh Gordon to come rushing out of the wings to claim a major role somewhere. But uh, if you look at his start last year, it was pretty solid, right? Wally was still healthy, had a couple touchdowns to open the season, and you know, and, and I think Derek Carr can make can, can take advantage of these kind of players. But but it, the the best the the I guess I guess if he's maybe the best, but the riskiest and the highest reward is definitely to me Kadarius Tone.
1: Yeah, I would say that's definitely like the the both ends of the spectrum is Tony. I'm rolling with Thomas too. He looked great when he was on the field from the fourth quarter of that um yeah. Buccaneers game um you know for the next two games before he got hurt. Yeah. But he's been healthy through camp, knocking on some wood here and hoping that uh or knocking on there you go. There's your dome right there. There we there go. go. We can knock on that. But uh but I would say yeah, I'm rolling with Thomas. I can't quit Michael Thomas. I'm you know I I I he's too good of a football player. I love Odell Beckham's skill set but don't sure. trust the knee. Um, and Tony, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a Tony stand this year. Um, and I'll roll with that if there's an opportunity. But Dalton Kincaid sitting there, you know, if he's not there, if somebody takes him early and Tony falls to me, I'll take Tony there and then follow up with a, a um, you know, Chig. And especially somebody else a little bit later too. All right, so best value out of these running backs. Rashad Penny in round nine. Samaje so Ryan in round nine or Khalil Herbert in round nine? So if I trust the
0: beat writers I've talked to for the most part, um, it's, it's Penny. Um, but there are, there are questions about all this. Hub from Pro Football Weekly, who is not a hot take artist, told me a couple of weeks ago that what he saw in camp was Deontay Foreman, clearly the running back one in Chicago. I don't think anyone else has said that. And so, uh, but but also, Hub is not unknowledgeable, right? So, sure. so I if, 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 even if I'm not like buying into the notion that Deontay Foreman is a true number one, there's enough buzz around Roshan Johnson and you know Foreman's presence to, for it not to be Herbert. So P. Ryan, decreasingly so. Maybe two months ago, he would have been easily you know the guy I'm feeling here. Now I'm kind of fuck him because Javante Williams is apparently the uh, the the exception. The rule. We'll see about that. I want to overstate the case there, but the fact that Javante Williams is on the field carrying the football in exhibition play after tearing three ligaments in his knee is pretty remarkable. So, uh, don't know that I'm trusting that, um, but I'm feeling like it's the momentum's there. And so, almost by process of elimination, it's Penny, who by the way is very good, will be running behind the best offensive line in football. And I know we read a lot of things into the preseason playing time rotations of players. Maybe we should not read as much into that. I'm going to go with the information I've had more consistently since his arrival is that he's likely the early down guy there and we'll see how it plays out. Round nine. If I miss, I'll probably survive.
1: Yeah, I think you probably will too. I'll probably go Herbert P Ryan Penny in that order. Cause I think Herbert's the best beer runner. Um, I agree with that. And then P Ryan, I think is just a good all around player who they will find a role for. Um, and I'm worried about William still just that, you know, getting over the hurdle of trusting it fully. Um, I think he'll probably get spelled well, a fair bit, but. Well, I,
0: let me, let me do this. All right. Let me say this. I, I disagree with you on the best pure runner. I mean, if we go back to Rashad Penny, you know, his magical span, that six game span, uh, in 2021, was it? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was great. He's, I mean, he looks like he might be a really good back, uh, yeah, but, yeah. but also the offensive line, I'm going to, I'm going to stick with, so I'm going to stick with my order. Uh, but but I do think Herbert. You know, that's why it was kind of interesting what what said about Foreman, who's you know seems kind of like a guy, right? Less, right? less so than, and maybe Herbert is more than just a guy. So maybe I maybe I'll go with my order. Uh, I'll go with uh, Penny, Herbert, and P. Ryan.
1: That's cool. I'm I'm yeah. We'll 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 disagree on this one, but Penny certainly at the top of his game. Um, if he plays in a gap-oriented offense, he's great. He's he's probably the best gap runner of those three. The best all-around runner to me is still Herbert, but but Penny certainly is the most explosive um, out of those three, or was. He didn't look all that explosive Friday night. Um, no, he did. But we'll see. Um, most likely a Mirage. Rashad White at round six, James Cook in round seven, or Antonio Gibson in round eight. Ah, fuck all these guys. <laughs> um,
0: I did... I want to say Rashad White, just because I don't know if the offense is going to be supportive. I mean, I think all these guys have big mirage factors. Yeah. Um. So I'm gonna so I'm gonna go this take the smart route and say Antonio Gibson seems like he's been rising more. I do think his skill set. I mean, we're I guess what we do, Matt, or I think what I do for sure is we see an offense come to a new team, like we're seeing Eric Bieniemy bring this Chiefs offense, and we're gonna say this is the new that, right? Like. Here he is. Antonio Gibson suddenly going to be late season Jarek McKinnon because right. we want that to happen. I don't know that that's going to happen. I mean, Antonio Antonio Gibson has been a good receiver or a receiving asset since he arrived. Why haven't they used him like that? I mean, maybe they'll suddenly use him like that. Maybe we're overlooking Brian Robinson, though, who, who last season fared pretty well for a guy who got shot in the knee six weeks before the season started, who says this year, you ain't seen nothing yet. So... Uh, I'm probably going to to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably go with Antonio Gibson.
1: Here. Yeah, I think this is the, I think this is the, that's the real answer is that maybe you should be targeting Brian Robinson where you can get him at a value. A little later. Yeah. Rashad White to me is probably, Gibson's the smart mirage based on track record. Rashad White, I like what you said in the beginning. He's my mirage. I think that because of the offense um, and from what I saw last year, he can catch, but he's kind of a Kalen Ballage type. In terms of how people are seeing him, they're all excited, but we'll see if that works out. Um, best value among these tight ends Sam Laporta in round 12, Irv Smith round 14, Dawson Knox round 16, Tyler Conklin round 17.
0: It's totally Tyler Conklin, yeah. Yes, 17. I yes. Mean, it absolutely is. I like all the like, I think all these guys are fair prices, but Tyler Conklin, totally the forgotten piece after demonstrating last year that he should not be forgotten now. Probably has a better quarterback. A quarterback who has, over the course of his career, uh, created household names out of nobody's at tight end. Uh, I'll, I'll go with this nobody named Tyler Conklin.
1: Tyler Conklin is the gangster move for your late rounds in the drafts. I mean, if you don't want to pick a tight end, that's the guy to do it <laughs> right there. And I know there's a lot of late round tight end talk. I think Josh Norris likes doing the hashtag late round tight end on Twitter right now. And he's talking about a bunch of guys and one of them is the you know James Ferguson, who I like, uh, the Wisconsin kid, second year in Dallas. But Tyler Conklin's the dude. That's the one that you, I think, if you're gonna you're gonna do this, you make that pick right there. But yeah, it, which if,
0: means you can still get Sam Laporta in twelve, yes, or Irv Smith in fourteen. Yeah, I mean you can do all those. I mean all these things are, are doable. Dawson yeah. Knox, nah, no, I would even do him at yeah. sixteen. I would,
1: I'd probably go in order of like likelihood to produce well. I would probably say Conklin and Laporte are almost a tie. I would put Knox slightly over Smith just because I don't trust Smith to stay healthy or to do well Um and, and just based on his track record. I love what he did coming out of school but it just seems like he hasn't translated and I think there sure. might be something more here. there going on. Yeah so look we have good offense here too. Um, and we're good at offending one another when we have an opportunity. Um, but we didn't do that this week. You know, okay. I, I know. But I tried doing it the past couple of weeks, you know, trying to get your replacement. But, it, but you know, there are too many people coming up to you at the at the expo, you know, mm-hmm. saying feel it or fuck it. So I guess, you know, I guess Bob Harris is around for another week. You yes! Know? It, he would probably be around for all the weeks, and I'd be the one off the show, but I'm the one producing it. So I'm, I'm hanging in just by a... You know, just by technicality. But, um, <laughs> no. you know, thanks again for listening, everybody. We really appreciate it. And we will see you next week. Love you. Goodbye. Love you. Goodbye.